Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Stevens Creek. Welcome, South Campus, Grove Town, online, wherever you are, man. We are so glad you guys are here today as we are wrapping up our How to Read the Bible series. And I know what you're thinking. Last week, Pastor Marty said that that was the end of the How to Read the Bible series. But have you ever watched like a Marvel movie where the movie ends and then they get into the credits and then there's this surprise bonus in-cut credit scene? That's what today is, right? It's the, it's the bonus scene. So last week was the end. And then today is the extra end of the How to Read the Bible series. And we are so glad you guys are here. And it's going to be a great day at Stevens Creek. Um, We've been talking a lot about Exodate Night. Another quick plug before we we dive in. This Friday night, this is something so near and dear to my heart. My wife Ashley and I work with a a ministry called Exo Marriage, uh, helping marriages around the world build stronger Christ-centered marriages. And part of how we do that is through really fun live events. So this Friday is the first ever Exo Live event at Stevens Creek Church. We've done the simulcast event here in years past, but Friday night, it's coming live, and please don't miss it. It's gonna be so much fun. Our friend, Pastor Narup Alphonse, is coming in from Denver. Part of our team from Exo Ministries in Dallas is coming in, and our very own Rhett Walker is putting on a concert, and plus there is gonna be a ton of surprises and giveaways and a lot of fun stuff. So there's a QR code. You wanna pull out your phone if you're interested. You can take a picture of that. It'll take you right to the site where you can get the information, get a ticket, and be here Friday. And you husbands, let me talk to you for a second. You be the one to do this, all right? Don't wait for your wife to be like, do you want to go? No, you say like, baby, listen, I want to take you to that date night. Take the initiative, dudes. It's going to be, I promise you're going to have a good time. It's going to be great. All right. Now, diving into the sermon for today, start with a little story. So when I was in middle school, one of the only times in my life I got to hang out with this guy because he, he, he lived kind of far away. But I had this great uncle named Uncle John who lived out on a farm. And I remember being at his house when I was in middle school and hanging out with him. And he was just a really cool country guy. And he was like, so Dave, what have you been up to? And I'm like, well, Uncle John, I just started taking karate. And he's like, eh, karate, huh? It's all right. Well, I never took karate, but uh, I ain't worried about no karate neither because... I know something stronger than karate. And I'm like, what's that? He said, it's called Chang Chung. And I'm like, what's Chang Chung? And he grabbed his shotgun and goes, Chang Chung. <laughs> <laughs> Chang Chung. <laughs> well, hey, we as Christians, we're in a world where there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there. There's sin, there's temptation, there's all that stuff. But God gave us Chang Chung, all right? So Chang Chung right here. This is more powerful than anything we can face. God's word is alive, it's living, it's breathing, it's active, it's relevant, it's true from beginning to end, and it is his plan for you. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter where you've been, what what you've done, God's word has the answer. And in this series, we've been learning how to read it. I think what keeps a lot of Christians away from God's word is, is we, we psych ourselves out about it. We, we get intimidated by it. We think, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I can't pronounce the names. I don't know this or that. I've loved the practicality of this series as Pastor Marty has walked us through just putting handles on this and simplifying it and making it accessible because God wants his word to be a relevant, daily, applicable part of your life And so as we wrap up this series again today, we're going to talk about how to do that. And specifically, 
how to leave a legacy with God's word. Because when we read the Bible, it's not just for us. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to make an impact to the people around us, to our families. And we're going to look together at what that means. But first, kind of a quick recap of what this series is, has been about. And essentially, it's been about this. That reading the Bible and applying it brings peace to your life. And it also protects you from sin. It safeguards you from sin. The Bible says that we have something called the armor of God that we put on, and it it, it protects us from a lot of the temptations out there. The theme verse of this whole series has been this from 2 Timothy. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So his word is going to equip you which means to train you, to teach you, to get you ready for life, for marriage, for family, for, for work, for difficulties, for whatever it is you're going to face, this is what's going to get you ready. And it's going to guide you through. His word is true. It's a text message from God straight to you. Some of you will wreck your car to read a text message from your random cousin when they, sit, they text you on the road. But yet our Bible, the text message from God, we leave collecting dust when we need to pick this up and make this a relevant daily part of our life. And it will protect you from making the wrong choice. I love this verse from Psalm 119. It says, God, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when we put God's word deep in our heart and we we, we meditate on it, which means we just focus on it, we think about it, we let it be in our minds, it's going to safeguard us. It's going to guide our thoughts because the the human mind and heart, it works kind of like the TikTok algorithm, all right? So if you're like scrolling through TikTok, The way that that algorithm is set is if you stop on something, then it says, oh, you like that. You like makeup tutorials. You like UFC fight clips. You like stand-up comedy. You like home design ideas. And so I'm going to give you more of that. And next thing you know, more of that stuff starts popping up because you've hovered on it. You've you've meditated on it. You've stopped on it. And it's learning you and it's uh, it's responding accordingly. Well, the human mind and heart kind of works like that. And God knew that. And he says, that's why I want you to meditate on my word. I want you to let my word be what's in your mind and your heart, what you focus on, what you meditate on, because it's going to bring more of my truth into your life. It's going to bring more of the right perspective to you when you get to that crossroads and you don't know what to do. It's going to, it's going to program the default mode of your heart to be one that's leaning toward God and his truth. And it is there for us. It's there to guard us and protect us and guide us. And if we're filling up on all the world stuff, and we're starving ourselves spiritually on God's word, then we're going to go through life anemic and frustrated and, and unsure about his plan for our life. And God, he doesn't want you to be unsure. The Bible says, I've not given you a spirit of confusion or of fear, but he wants you to have a sound mind. He wants you to be led and guided by his truth and then to share that truth with others, which is essentially what we're talking about today, that reading the Bible, it equips you to share God's truth with others. And I know that can be intimidating because you're, you're like, I'm not an evangelist or a preacher. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound preachy to people, you know, but all of us are called to be sharers of our faith. And it starts with the people right in our own homes. And that can be the hardest people to share faith with because they know all your junk and you know theirs and, and it can be hard, but that's where it starts. Deuteronomy says it this way. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you go to bed and when you're getting up. So again, let God's word be just a natural daily part of your life. 
that, that you're, you're starting the morning with it, and then you're going through the day, you're thinking about it, you're, you're, you're putting it in your mind and your ears through what you're listening to, you're, you're, you're sharing about it naturally, like, oh man, I read this verse today, and, and this so encouraged me, let me tell you about it. It should be something we're talking to our kids about, it should be a natural part of our conversation, and as we make it a daily, minute by minute part of our lives, it's going to really guide us to all that God has for us. But again, I think part of the reason why we don't read the Bible and why we don't share our faith is we overthink it. We overcomplicate it. We think, well, I'm not really qualified. I, I'll say the wrong thing. I'm confused by it. You know, I'm not Billy Graham, some, you know, famous evangelist that's good at this. But even Billy Graham said, yeah, I'm an evangelist as, as a job, but all of us as Christians are evangelists by calling. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He said, our faith becomes stronger as we express it. A growing faith is a sharing faith. So if we're sharing our faith, we're going to be growing in our faith. Because anything in your life that you're really excited about, you share, right? You see a really good movie on Netflix, you tell 10 friends. You go to a really good restaurant, man, you're putting it on Facebook. Oh, you got to check this place out. So if God's really changing our lives, which he is, we should be willing to, to share it, not in a, a preachy, elitist kind of way, but in a, in a thankful way. Like, I have found something great, and I want you to experience him too. And then don't overcomplicate it when we're sharing our faith. Because the Bible says if you don't come to faith like a child, you won't come at all. We, we tend to overcomplicate it and use these big words to try to sound smart when really the truth of the gospel is simple. And even Albert Einstein and his brilliance understood concepts like this. He, he said this quote, which I love, if you can't clearly explain something to a six-year-old, it's because you don't fully understand it yourself. We gotta be able to simplify it. So what's that six-year-old version of the gospel? It's this, God loves you. He made you. He has a plan for you. But all of us have blown it. We've all made mistakes. And heaven is, is a place where you can't get in unless you're perfect. And here's the problem. None of us are perfect. But God loved us so much, he sent his only son to earth on a rescue mission for us. He's like a real-life superhero that came here for us to show us the way, to teach us the way. And then he took the punishment for us. He went to the cross and died the death we should have died. So that when, if we just put our faith in him, which means we trust him with our lives and we stop living the way that we think is right and we turn to the way that he says is right and we ask him to be our, our Lord and Savior, the leader of our lives, then he adopts us into his family. We get to be part of God's family forever. He makes us a son or a daughter of God. Jesus rose from the dead showing that the death doesn't have any power over us anymore because once we're in his family... Even though we might die physically, we're going to live forever with him spiritually and new bodies. And it's going, to be, it's going to be the world we were created for. God has such a plan for you. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to go through eternity without you. And you don't want to go through eternity without him. And Jesus is the way, the only way to get there. And so let's live for him. And then the Bible talks about what that means and what that looks like. And it's just Regular people like us sharing the faith, sharing what Jesus has done that has moved along the, the movement of, of Christ followers for 2,000 years. And that's by God's design. He only uses imperfect people because that's all there are other than Jesus. We're all imperfect. I just watched the movie with my family, Jesus Revolution, which is amazing. If you haven't seen it, go to the theater and watch it. It's the true story of the Jesus movement that swept through starting in Southern California and then really through the whole world in the early 70s and started a, a revival uh, that began among the hippie community and, and continued on from there. And 
you know, the story centralizes on, in a lot of ways on this, this young couple named Greg and Kathy Laurie, who were high schoolers at the time and then ultimately got married. And I've met Pastor Greg now many years later, just such a great, authentic, humble man of God. And uh, they, so many people have come to faith through their lives and their ministry. And he says, really, the message of my life is that God loves to work through just regular people that say yes to him and are willing to share their faith with others. He's like, that's all that we've done is, is, is we follow Jesus and then we invite others to, to come and experience what Jesus has done. And, and they experience for themselves and then they go out and tell others as well. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And Kathy Laurie, she did an interview just this last week on a podcast where she was talking about the movie, talking about coming to faith in Christ and that time in her life. And she said, you know, like when I first came to faith in Christ and I was like a senior in high school and, and up until I came to faith in Christ, like I was so lost. I mean, I was, I was in the hippie scene, I was in the drug scene and almost every day of class, I would come in either hungover or high or just a wreck. And I sat right in front of this girl in class who every time I came in class, she would look at me and just sort of like shake her head and roll her eyes. It was like she was disgusted that she had to sit by me. And then I, I came to faith in Christ and I'm telling you, everything changed. I was a new person like the Bible said I would be. I felt alive in a way that I had never felt. I felt something so much better and more real than any temporary high drugs could ever give. And I just wanted to tell everybody about it. So I came into school one day and I sat right in front of this girl. And of course, I, I probably looked and acted different than I used to look and act. And I just turned to her and I said, listen, I know we don't know each other that well, but I just have to tell everybody, like my life's been changed. I mean, I was chasing after all this wrong stuff and, and I found Jesus, like Jesus. I didn't know that was for real. I didn't think that was even a thing, but I found Jesus and the God of the Bible is real and he's changed my life and I've been set free and I, I don't even have a desire for drugs and alcohol and all that stuff that, that I was chasing. And I'm telling you, he is, he's real and I've never felt so good. I've never felt so clean. I've never felt so alive. And he loves us and has a plan for us and I just can't stop talking about it. And Kathy said this girl looked at her and kind of gave her a half-hearted smile and she goes, that's great. She said, I'm, I'm a Christian too, that's great. And Kathy said, I thought to myself, if you knew this and you saw me coming in here every single day, desperate, and strung out and hung over and searching. And instead of just looking at me with disgust or disappointment, you knew the answer, you knew what I needed. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And guys, that's convicting to me because I think of all the times in my life where you know God's brought someone right in my path that needed, needed to know that Jesus loved them and had a plan for them, but I was just too busy or or I was frustrated because I had somewhere to be, or I, I just frankly didn't want to start a conversation. And how many of those opportunities have I, I missed? And we need to be so ready to just share. And it, we don't have to make it weird. You know, we don't have to, to, to know the whole Bible to start. We just have to start talking about what God has done in our lives. The Bible tells us how to share our faith. I love this verse. You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, and if someone asks about the hope you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do it in a gentle and respectful way. Those two words, gentle and respectful. This is something I think we've lost sight of as a culture. Like nobody is gentle and respectful, right? Like even when we're talking about faith, it's like you look on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we, we just do it in an argumentative way. 
We try to beat people over the head with, with our beliefs in a way that repels them instead of draws them in. When the Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. So we as Christians, we should be the kindest people on the planet. We should be doing it in a general, respectful way, yet clear, unapologetic about the truth of this word and, the, and, and how it's the only way. But it's a way that's open to everybody. Jesus invites all of us to come to him. You know, I had a guy share his faith with me once like that, and it really challenged me and made me kind of convicted of how I need to do a better job of that. And this is where it happened. It happened at a gym. I was going to this gym at the time, and I intentionally just didn't talk to people at the gym, right? It's not because I'm unfriendly, but I was just in a hurry. I'd put in my earbuds, and I would just do my thing, and I didn't want to talk to people, right? I just working out. And, and then I'd go to the locker room, and I'd get out of the locker room as fast as I could, and I'm going to tell you why. So you ladies don't know this probably about men. I'm going to peel back the curtain and I'm going to tell you ladies something that you might not know about men. And that is that the older a man gets, the more he wants to be naked in public, the more he wants it. I don't know why, but this is a real thing. Like young men at the locker room are pretty modest. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of getting dressed in the corner, but I'm telling you, you get to a certain age and these guys, they just naked and they'll just kind of strut and scratch and... They don't want to talk to you. They'll be like stretching. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want them. And then they'll put their leg up on something. I'm like, listen, like, listen here, Captain Morgan, why don't you put the leg down and cover up and let's talk like normal people. But they, they just love to be naked. And I mean, maybe I'm just a few years away from that. Maybe 10 years I'm that guy at the gym. I don't know. But, but at this point in my life, I was like, I'm not about this. Like, I just, I want to get out of this place. But there was this one guy at the gym, uh, who I noticed, and I kind of avoided him because he was always talking to people. Like every time I saw him, every part of the gym, he was never in a hurry. And he's, everybody liked him and he was just talking to everybody. And I'm like, that's sweet, that's nice, but I really don't wanna get in a conversation. Like I, I, I'm here, I'm on a schedule, I'm trying to get to the next place. And so I sort of just always avoided this dude um, because I didn't wanna get caught. Well, one day in the locker room, he's, he's sitting down and he starts talking to me and I look up and I lock eyes with him and then there's a naked old guy right here. So now I have to keep my eyes locked on this guy because I can't veer to the right or the left because I don't want to be traumatized by what I'm going to see. And so I'm just looking at this guy like he's the most interesting man on earth. Like I am locked in and he's, he's sharing his story with me and he's like, man, I've been wanting to talk to you. And, and, um, and I'm like, great, great. And, uh, he, he starts telling me his story and he's sharing his testimony with me. Like he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know I'm a pastor or anything like that. He just, he's like, man, like I, I, was, he, I was a soldier. I went, to, went off to war. I got, I got wounded. I came back and I was like, kind of, I was messed up. And, and, and I, I just didn't think my life was ever gonna be right again. But I, I found Jesus and I'm telling you, man, like my life has never been the same. He's been so good to me. He set me free. Like, I just want to tell everybody about what Jesus done in my life. And he, he shared it in such like a compelling, sincere way that I was drawn to it. And frankly, I felt convicted. Like, I didn't want to tell him I was a pastor because he looked at me and said, well, you are terrible at your job. Why am I telling you this? I'm like, man, I just don't want to look at naked dudes. I just want to go home. And, and <laughs> But his sincerity was so compelling that it made me think like, Lord, give me a heart like that where I'm not in a hurry. You, you, when you read the gospels, Jesus, the most important person who ever lived, he was never in a hurry, ever. 
He, he always had time for the person who was right in front of him. They were the most important. Them knowing that God loved them, had a plan for them, him meeting their need right where they were. And I think, man, I wanna be more like that. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I wanna be more like that. Instead of so driven by schedule and by what's next and by checking things off a list or productivity being, being my God instead of God being my God. And I think all of us in our culture could stand to slow down and be present with the people who are right in front of us, starting with our own families, and to hear their stories and, and to encourage them and let them know God loves you, I love you, and I, I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. And I'm so thankful for you know, people like the guy at the gym. I don't even know his name, but I'll never forget his testimony. Let's be people like that. And let's start, again, where it's hardest, which is right in our own families, because of this. Sharing the Bible with our family, it allows us to break negative generational cycles and create a legacy of generational blessings. We, we are called to share this truth with the generations that come before us or come after us. And I'm so thankful to be part of a church where at all of our campuses, children's ministry and youth ministry is such a, such a priority that we, do, we, we invest in camps, we invest in, in so many different ways to connect kids to the truth of who God is in their life and helping them know who they are in him and the beautiful plans God has for their life. The Bible tells us to do this. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. We've got to teach our kids and live it out in our own lives that when we need an answer, we don't start with Google. We start with the Bible. Like, Lord, what do you say about this? What do you want me to do here? I heard an interview with the comedian, actor, hilarious dude, Kevin Hart, recently, and he was telling this story. And he said, he was starting out in comedy. He was, he was like, I was, felt like I was so close to making it, but I was broke. I, I like didn't have any money at all. And I called my mom one day and I said, mom, listen, I, I feel like I'm really close to things happening, a breakthrough, but, but this month I am broke. My rent, rent's due in a few days. Like, do you think you could help me out this month? Just cover this month's rent. And, and she said, have you been reading your Bible? He's like, mom, what does that have to do with anything? Like, I'm busy. I, I'm working. I'm grinding. I don't got time to read my Bible. She's like, you always got time for the Bible. God's word is the first place you should look whenever you need something. He's like, oh, mom, that's so lame. All right. And he hung up, called her back the next day. Hey, mom, hey, listen, is it, again, is, is there any chance you can help me out this much? She said, you've been reading your Bible? He goes, mom, no, I haven't been reading my Bible. Like, like why do you keep asking me that? And, and he, you know, he got frustrated, hung up again. Third day, he called, mom, listen, my rent's due tomorrow. Can you help me or not? I'm going to have to go pawn something if you can't help me. And she said, have you been reading your Bible? He goes, no, no, it's, I'm offended that you keep asking me that. She goes, sweetie, listen, God's word, the first place you should always turn when you need an answer, when you need something, start with God's word. So he hung up and in frustration, he went over and picked up his Bible, kind of dusted it off. He's all right, mom, yeah, I'm gonna sit down and read the Bible. And he, he opened up the Bible and from his mom, there was a check for his rent in the Bible. And he laughed and he said, you know, I, I've never forgotten that. He said, I haven't always been good at this. I haven't always done this when I should have. He goes, but my mom taught me and she showed me in this moment as well that when I need something, when I need an answer, when I need to, I need to start with God's word instead of making it the last place I go. And for all of us, if we'll choose to do that, you know, if we'll choose to start with God's word instead of just letting it get dusty and thinking of it as a last resort, man, God will provide. He will guide us right when we need to be guided and where we need to be guided. And as we do that in our families, this is the only way that we can have an eternal impact with our lives. 
The Bible talks about the generational impact in a lot of ways. It says this, you shall, he's talking to the nation of Israel here and how they're worshiping other gods. They're losing sight of God's word. He says, you shall not bow down to them or serve these other gods. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So what's happening in this verse? He's saying, I'll visit the iniquity on the children. This doesn't mean that God punishes children for their parents' behaviors. In fact, the Bible is clear that God does not punish children for the sins of their parents, and he does not punish parents for the sins of their children. So when it says iniquity here, I'm going to visit the iniquity on the third and fourth generations. Iniquity in this context really means a a bent. It means when you have a tendency towards something that's negative or unhealthy. And all of us, just because of the sinful world we live in, all of us carry some iniquities. We carry some bents from the generations that came before us that aren't quite right. You know, have you ever thought to yourself, I'm never going to be angry like my mother was all the time. And then you find yourself yelling at your kids one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm my mom. I'm never going to be a workaholic like my dad was. And then one day you're just grinding it out the office and you're like, I've turned into my dad. You know, you're, you're, you're saying something, you're, you're doing that, that mannerism that, that your grandpa or your, your mom or your dad did that you're like, I'll never do that. And you, next thing you know, you're a foot stomper just like they were. And you're like, what happened? You know, how did this happen? We, we all carry some iniquities. We carry some bents that God wants to make straight. He wants to make right. But the good news is, well, that'll only last for maybe three generations. The positive impact of teaching your kids to love Jesus by God's grace and his supernatural power working through our imperfections, we can impact a thousand generations. We can impact eternity Long after our names have been forgotten, long after the the names on our tombstone have completely eroded with time, we can have an impact that lasts generation after generation because we, through our short life, pointed those around us to the eternal truth of Jesus Christ, of who he is, and taught our families to build their lives on a foundation of his word. Like, that's the way. That's the only way that we're going to impact. And if you think, well, man, I... I want to impact my kids. I don't want to pass on the negative things, the iniquities, the bents. I don't want them to have this, this tendency toward addiction. I don't want them to have this anger issue or, or this, this problem or this insecurity. Listen, it might have been that way in your family all the way through. I think we make excuses for bad behavior in families too much. We say, well, that's just how we are in this family. And no, you could say that's how we were in this family until it got to my generation, until it got to me. Because I'm not perfect, I'll never be, but it's going to be different from this point on in our family story because from now on, it's going to be based on God's word and not our own iniquities, not our own bents, not our own issues, but on God working through us to do something different. I want to tell you a story about, speaking of generational impact of the the Bible, I want to tell you a story about this Bible. They don't make them like this anymore, by the way. I almost got a hernia bringing this thing up on the stage today. This is, this is a sturdy, sturdy Bible. There's a name on the front of this, name of a woman who I never met, Edith Carlton Bates. But I know the story of this Bible. I know the story of Edith Bates. I want to tell it to you now. So Edith Bates, from what I've heard, was a remarkable woman. She raised six daughters by herself, single mom, because her husband, who went off to fight in World War I, came back from that first world war with both his mind and body wounded from battle. 
And he dealt with those wounds in a very unhealthy way because he didn't know the Lord. So he turned to alcohol, he turned to gambling, he turned to womanizing. He ultimately left his family and died of syphilis in a VA hospital. And it was syphilis that he did not catch from his wife. So Edith had been abandoned. She had been close to destitute, raising these six girls now through the Great Depression. And she worked and she worked and she loved and she served and she made room for even the poor in her community. Though she herself was poor, she would make peanut butter sandwiches and coffee for the homeless who would come by. And she would show the love of Jesus in practical ways. And every night, she'd gather her girls, her six girls around the table, and she'd pull out this Bible and she'd open it up. And she'd read them stories. She'd read them verses. Oh, the girls, this one, this verse really spoke to me today. I want to share it with you. And then she'd look at her girls and she'd say, and I want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you and you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And you might've had an earthly father who abandoned you, but you have a heavenly father who never will. And he is with you always. And if you will give your hearts and lives to Jesus, he will guide you and protect you. And I want you to know that I love you and God loves you. And you never forget that. And every day she made sure to, to put some of God's truth into her daughters. Well, her girls grew up. Tragically, one of them died as a teenager. It was a really just difficult life that they, they were living. But of her five surviving daughters, they grew up, they started families of their own. And one of her daughters uh, got married, started having kids, and Bradley became Edith's first grandchild. She was so proud of her grandson, Bradley. But the problem was her daughter had married a man who had many of the same iniquities that Edith's husband had. Her daughter married a man who turned out to be abusive, violent, a womanizer. He cheated on her. He was angry. He was abusive in word and in action. And, and Bradley was growing up in that toxic environment. And it broke Edith's heart. She said, I want to I help him. I, I want to let him know that God loves him. And, and so she would invite Bradley over to, to eat her homemade apple pie. And she'd read to him out of this Bible. She'd tell him, God loves you. He's got such a great plan for you. Edith, who was always working, ultimately took a job as a lunch lady at Bradley's school because school was hard for Bradley too. His family was poor. His clothes had holes in them. He did terrible at school. He got made fun of. And so every day, he would look forward to the highlight of his day, and it's walking through that lunch line, and his grandma saying, oh, Bradley, I've been waiting for you all day, sweetie. You're such a good boy. Love you so much. God has made you so wonderfully. He's got such great plans for you. And sweetie, here's a little bit of extra mashed potatoes. Here's some extra pudding for you, sweetie. And he would smile and he would hold on to those words of life because some days it was the only encouraging words that he heard. Well, Bradley grew up and as he grew, even though he'd hated everything about his father, that iniquity got a hold of him and he started to become his dad. He became angry, became violent, became a heavy drinker. He became a womanizer. He became everything that he hated because apart from Jesus, we become the very things in our family that we hated. And he was carrying that on. He'd been around some so-called Christians, but he had seen the worst kind of Christianity. He'd just seen hypocrisy. And he'd say, man, there's nothing to that. It's fake. It's, I don't want any part of that. But he couldn't escape those authentic words of kindness that had been spoken to him by his single mother, lunch lady grandmother. He said, Bradley, God loves you. He hurts when you hurt. He has made you beautifully and wonderfully. He has got such a great plan for your life. Never doubt the fact that I love you, God loves you, 
And no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter how you sin, no matter how far you run from God, he is right there waiting for you to come home. So give your life to Jesus because he's got such great plans for you. And so one day when he had tried everything this world says to try to make you happy and he just felt empty, he wandered into a church, said, I'll give this one more try. And he heard the gospel presented. He heard the word of God proclaimed. Something happened in his hardened heart where God broke through that day. Jesus made himself real to him and he, he surrendered his life to the Lord. He said, Lord, I don't understand all this. I promised myself I would never be part of anything like this, but you're real and I wanna live my life for you. I've tried everything else and it doesn't work. I'm, I'm giving my life to you today and he did. And his life was transformed. Yeah, it took some time for those iniquities to straighten out, but, but in a moment, his, his life was made new and he knew it. He, he started living like a new creation. He, he married a young Christian woman they started a family of their own and he made a promise to her and to God. He's like, all of those broken tendencies that men in my family have had before me, including me, he said, it stops with me. We're not raising our kids in an abusive environment. We're not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes, but we're gonna let them know that God's word is true and that God loves them and has a plan for them. These kids, they're gonna know that they're loved. They're gonna know that God loves them. And they're gonna know that even when they have an earthly father that messes up and disappoints them, they have a heavenly father who never will leave them or forsake them. And we're gonna raise them to know that. Well, Bradley raised his family, kept this Bible out and would tell stories about the woman of faith who'd been foundational in his own life. And it was time for him to pass this Bible on. This last Christmas, he gave it to his oldest son, he gave it to me. And my father, Bradley Willis, his life was changed because of words of kindness and words of faith from a grandmother who lived a simple life but loved the Lord and taught him that God loved him and had a plan for his life. And when every part of his life was in complete chaos, those, those words had been planted so deeply in his heart that they held firm and ultimately were part of what God used to, to bring him back to the Lord. So friends, listen, you might not know the impact that your words of kindness are having on the people in your life. You might not know the impact that, that your prayers are having for your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your coworkers. But your words of kindness to them might be the only words of encouragement they're hearing. And even if it seems like they're pushing you away, God's working through your life. So keep being faithful, keep praying, keep believing. And if you feel like I've blown it, God can't use a person like me, Remember that God only uses broken people. It's the only kind of people there are. And he loves you and he is for you and he has got a plan for your life. And he wants to change every generation that comes after you through your faith if you'll commit your life to him. So I'm gonna pray for you. I wanna pray for you guys at every campus. Let's stand together as we pray, in fact. And if you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus with your life, today's your day. What are you waiting for? Jesus has done all the work. He gave his life on the cross for you. All you've got to do is receive that gift by faith and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm living for you now. I'm not gonna live the world's broken way anymore. I'm living for you. And you're in God's family. That's who you are. Even if you don't feel any different in the moment, your identity has changed in that instant. You've been born again. You've been set free. And you can start walking in that new identity. And God's word will guide you every step of the way as you keep growing in that new identity. And for all of us, even if we made that decision a long time ago, but we just feel like we got off track, 
We've not been living it out. We've not been presenting it in authentic ways to our family. Let it just today be the day that we receive God's forgiveness again and we recommit to doing it right. And maybe apologize to some people in our own lives and say, listen, I've, I know I've blown it. I know that I haven't been living out my faith the way that I should. But I just want you to know, and I want you to even hold me accountable in this, that I'm, I'm beginning again. I'm gonna do this right. And I'm gonna walk with Jesus because he's always right there. He's always welcoming us home with open arms. He's welcoming you home with open arms today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for the power, the generational power our simple faith can have. Thank you for using broken, imperfect people like us. Thank you for adopting us into your family, giving us an eternal home with you, making us clean and free and new. God, forgiving us for all the sins we've committed the moment we put our faith and trust in you. And for those here today, for those at South Campus, for those at Grovetown, for those watching online that have not yet made that decision, let today be the day that in a simple act of faith, they say, Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. I give my life to you. I commit my past and my future to you. Adopt me in your family. Make me the person I was meant to be. Lord, we love you. We recommit today, all of us, to living wholeheartedly for you, to creating a generational legacy of God's word because your word is all that is true, Lord. Help us live for you. Help us recommit our lives to a foundation of your word and let future generations look different because we chose to say yes to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for his goodness. We love you, God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and believing in us. And thank you guys so much for being here today. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.